Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of A Catholic Life, welcoming you to Episode 7 of the A Catholic Life Podcast. In today's episode, for Palm Sunday, I will be going over all things related to Holy Week. In fact, there is so much that can be covered this week in terms of both fasting as well as interesting liturgical traditions and indulgences that few people talk about that this episode could really be substantially longer than what it is. However, in the interest of keeping everybody um, accustomed to roughly 15-minute episodes each week, I'm going to try to summarize just some of the main things this week from both a fasting perspective and a liturgical traditions perspective. To start, though, I would ask if you could all stop for a minute, pause this video, and please pray a short prayer for the repose of the soul of uh, Joe Sixpack, uh, Catholic. He is the um, the podcaster and the author behind uh, the Cantankerous Catholic website. I was on his show actually about a month ago, and to my shock, actually, as I'm recording this today, I found out he just died um, rather unexpectedly. Um, it makes me realize and reflect that um, each year when we go to Mass on Ash Wednesday and we receive ashes and we are told, dust we are, and unto dust one day we will return, that some of us will die before Easter, that we will not have the joy of experiencing the resurrection here on earth. And it is my sincere hope that Joe enters into heaven, that any time in purgatory is quickly released for him, that he's rewarded for his labors as a longtime catechist, for a Marian catechist specifically, and that the work he has done will reward him and merit him eternal life. So please say a short prayer for him for the repose of his soul. For this episode, especially as we enter into Holy Week, as I said, I would like to discuss a couple of things. First and foremost, I would like to discuss fasting as it concerns Holy Week. Everybody is should hopefully be very aware that Good Friday is a day of mandatory fasting and abstinence. So if you are an adult and you are up to age 60, you are obliged under penalty of mortal sin to fast on Good Friday. Uh, so I obviously advocate that all of Lent is to be fasting. And in fact, there's many other days throughout the year. But Good Friday is absolute. This is the day we remember the death of the Son of God himself on the cross. So even if you are exempt, if you're a little older than that, even if you have legitimate health issues where you have received dispensation and permission, um, see what you can do according to your circumstances to still make some effort to fast. But even if you are exempt from fasting, if you're, for instance, pregnant or nursing or older than 60 or ill, you are still obliged to abstain. There is no exception to that. Anyone, even children, need to be abstaining from meat on Good Friday and really on Holy Saturday as well. So that's obviously required by church law. But something that many people don't know about is something called the Passion Fast. I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about the Passion Fast right now. So the Passion Fast is a term which refers to the fast which began for some as early as sunset on Holy Thursday and could begin as late as 8 a.m. on Good Friday. Under the Passion Fast, no one was allowed to eat any food. 
That is anything whatsoever during that time until midnight and the beginning of Easter Sunday. So some um, would have fasted for a long time, especially since they would have all then observed the Eucharistic fast as well, which included no food, no water, nothing at all before Holy Communion. So it could have been much longer. It was originally often called a 40 hours fast because it represented the original Lenten fast, which was 40 hours of intense preparation. You can read my book, The Definitive Guide to Catholic Fasting and Absence, for much more information on this. But this original fast also coincided with the 40 hours that our blessed Lord spent uh, dead in the tomb. So this is a very sacred time for us. So not only Good Friday, but Holy Saturday should be a day of, of penance for us. It should be a day of rest. It should be a day of solace, of sorrow. And we should be observing it as such when our Lord has truly died for us. Now, those who were too weak and unable to observe the Passion Fast actually observe something known as xerophagy. That is what is a diet of simple, dry, uncooked food, such as raw nuts, bread, fruits, and vegetables. Oil and fish are not part of it, neither are any flesh meats or any animal products whatsoever. So even St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this, that the Holy Week fast, that is the fast we're entering into now, uh, starting tomorrow on, on Holy Monday, it should be harder than the rest of Lent. So if you have hopefully joined the Fellowship of St. Nicholas, the group that I'm helping lead, um, you can find more about that at 1peter5.com backslash fast. We have been observing a, a much stricter Lent, um, really modeled after the 1917 Code with some additions to make it even harder like it was in prior times. But this fast for Holy Week should be even harder. So if we do this... Um, and really, it was a precept to fast uh, for certain people. Um, if you can, instance, you can read more about this in some church documents. But there were some people who were obliged under church law to take this on. We don't do that under that obligation for this strictness. But if you can, see if you can get by this week on just bread, uh, herbs, salt, and dry vegetables or boiled vegetables. So. Uh, let's try to do what we do what we can to really offer up a much more strict Lent. So again, more information on this is in the book, The Definitive Guide to Catholic Fasting and Absence, but I think it's very important to highlight not just the obligation to fast and abstain on Good Friday, but the, the really the importance of doing so not just on that day, even on Holy Saturday, but for all of Holy Week should be a much stricter fast than we've been doing before. So let's plan for that. Let's make preparation right now to enter into this last final period and do the absolute best that we can. Now, when it comes to Holy Week, there's many different traditions as well that we can talk about, and we certainly don't have time to talk about them all today. But in the show notes, I'll link to the article, Everything Lent, that I wrote many years ago. I continue to update the links in there because they link to various different articles I write on the topic. One of those is uh, 10 different suggestions for a very Catholic Holy Week um, is something that we might want to consider, one of which is, of course, going to Mass on Holy Thursday, 
um, going to the liturgy of the pre-sanctified on Good Friday, since it's not truly a Mass, as well as the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday. Even if we can't make it, um, even though you should make every effort whatsoever to, to attend all those, severely, if you can, you can still read the traditional propers for those days. And when I say traditional propers, I do not mean the 1962 Missal, because there was substantial and significant changes done to the Holy Week liturgy in 1955, which was really a precursor for the Novus Order that came on it. Much more people are understanding and seeing this. In fact, there's there's communities, uh, certainly in union with the with the church, for instance, many different chapels from the Institute of Christ the King observe the pre-1955 Holy Week with permission. So if you want to learn much more about this, there's an excellent website called um, www.pre1955holyweek.com that has all the traditional propers. You'll find so much on there that you didn't even realize was removed, uh, even in the 62 Missal. Um, and it simply doesn't exist. Much symbolism. You can read articles for hours on that. But please try to check out that website, pre1955holyweek.com, and make an effort to be present at the liturgies this week, especially for the Triduum. In fact, they used to be holy days of obligation. They were not uh, by the time of Pope Urban VIII in um, 1642, but if we go back to 1234, I believe, with the decretals over, under um, Pope Gregory IX, they are listed. So these days really fell from people's observance long ago, and it's really so unfortunate that they did because there's such riches there you won't find. So that is my first recommendation. Secondly, please, can, let's continue to pray the rosary, offer it up for the souls that have died this Lent, and for the conversion of sinners. Um, we should also pray as well for the many people who are catechumens and preparing to enter into the church. Another recommendation, we can pray the Litany of the Most Precious Blood every day this week. And the Recolta has wonderful prayers in honor of the Precious Blood worth saying at this time. There's also the Litany of the Passion that we can, uh, we can pray. We may want to also read the entire Dolores Passion according to the visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmick. We should make an effort to go to confession this week, or we haven't been lately, to make sure we are in the state of grace to merit and as we take part in the church's sacred liturgy at this time. We could also take part in the seven churches' visitation, the traditional devotion on Holy Thursday in the evening when, when you go to seven different churches um, and, and say different prayers at the altars of repose at those churches. There's much more information you can find online about the traditional prayers and what each of the seven in order is meant to represent, for especially as we honor our Lord and his passion that night as he's being taken to all these places and interrogated and blasphemed and attacked and whipped. There, we are honoring each of those as part of that uh, tradition. So let's see if there's one in your area you can take part in or make your own. And then as well, we can also pray the Divine Office more this week and certainly pray the Stations of the Cross on Good Friday, as well as observing strict silence from 12 noon to 3 p.m. on Good Friday. Close the blinds, turn off the music, do not have the TV on, do not work, and use that time for prayer and silence because Christ our God hangs on the cross and dies for us at that time. So that is truly a most sacred time for us to honor. As well, this coming Wednesday uh, is um, not just called Holy Wednesday, it's also called Spy Wednesday. This is when, um, you know, the motion was really put in place, and um, we see it, it's called Spy Wednesday because 
This is the day that Judas Iscariot finally made plans to betray our Lord. After three years of seeing Jesus heal, perform miracles, raise the dead, Judas calls him only teacher, rabbi. That's all he calls him. Shortly after, he betrays him to the chief priests. And ultimately, we know, based upon the church's teaching, that if he had come back to our Lord and asked for forgiveness, he could have received it. But he didn't. He gave into despair and he hung himself. And that we can certainly... Um, I think uh, our Lord's own words that it would be better off if he had never been born is indication that he did not merit heaven and that he is in hell. And even visions show Judas in hell. Um, so I think it's safe to say he is there. Of course, the church has no position of any particular soul being in hell. But I think it's safe to say that's where he went. And many other people do go there. And many priests and many bishops and many lay people. If you die in the state of mortal sin, you go to hell. That is a dogmatic teaching. So let's do what we can to save as many souls as possible from falling into despair, from giving into suicide, from anything we can to save souls. A soul is worth the price of God dying on the cross. One single human soul. So think about this week. What charity can you do? What charity can you do this by Wednesday or Holy Thursday? Holy Thursday used to be a great day when people, kings, would go out and give alms to the poor. We see that as well as in some traditions still in England. Um, spend the day, if you can, in the morning before the, before the liturgy. Can you go around and visit the homeless or the poor and give them money as part of Pence that day? What sort of charity can you do? Perhaps you can listen to Ubi Caritas at Amor, one of my favorite chants, really uh, going over the words of our Lord at the Last Supper. Um, really reflecting on the charity and love we should have for the other. Meditate on the mandatum. Our Lord washed the feet of his disciples. He, he who is God humbled himself and did the, did the work that a slave would do at that time. And he taught us to do likewise, that the greatest among them would be the servant of all. And if Christ our Lord said, he's given us a sign that we should do likewise. So what sort of charity can you do this week, especially in Holy Thursday, for the most abject and the most abandoned, and the most despised, and really the most abhorrent people around us, people who normally you would walk past uh, because they're simply, you would find them disgusting or, or ill. What can you do this week for them? What sort of radical charity can you do this coming Holy Thursday? Holy Thursday as well is a day we can gain plenary indulgences if we pray the Tantum Ergo. Um, there is a plenary indulgence this Holy Thursday for that. That will also be mentioned more in my links. And this Good Friday, there is the indulged prayer to the cross. Pope Pius IX declared that reciting that prayer five times on a Friday will free five souls from purgatory and 33 souls by reciting it on Good Friday. The prayer should be recited before a crucifix with a contrite heart and praying for a few minutes afterwards for the traditional intentions of the Holy Father. I've written on those traditional intentions before, so we're not praying for any particular intentions other than the Church's traditional intentions for the Holy Father. For instance, the propagation of faith, the, the extermination of heresy, concord and peace amongst nations and princes. That's what we're praying for when we pray for the intentions of the Pope. Um, most people don't talk about that as well. But this particular prayer that is indulged um, goes as follows. I adore you, O glorious cross, which was adorned with the heart and body of my Savior Jesus Christ, stained and covered with blood. I adore you, O holy cross, out of love for him, Jesus, who is my Savior and my God.
We should make every effort to pray that before crucifix this Friday. should also be mentioned that after we attend the liturgy uh, this Friday, the liturgy of the pre-sanctified, it is called in the pre-55 ritual, uh, since it is not a Mass, uh, the crucifix is unveiled. So at our own homes, we can then take the purple cloths we have off the crucifix. As well as in the church, when we venerate the cross, um, we venerate it by kissing it, by kneeling down and kissing it. And since the Blessed Sacrament is not present in the church on Good Friday, when we walk uh, between, you know, crossing the altar or, or leaving the pew after the liturgy, we actually make a genuflection to the cross um, because the Blessed Sacrament is not present, but we genuflect to the cross. And it goes back to what I said in the previous episode, how we actually truly honor with Latria, the true cross of our Lord. This is almost like a little manifestation of that because the cross we venerate is not the real cross, it's the representation, but we still honor it with a genuflection on Good Friday, something to keep in mind. That's present even though the Novus Ordo rubrics, actually, and few people talk about that. Um, so there's much we can do this week. There's much we can do to observe silence as well on Holy Saturday, um, to, to, to pray even tenebrae this week. See if there's tenebrae in, in your area and make an effort to be part of that. Really listen to the lamentations of the prophet Jeremiah, listening to those on Saturday, especially the Gregorian chant version of those or the Palestrina version of those, is a really beautiful meditation as we rest on Holy Saturday, as we continue our fast, as we really press on to Easter. If you observe Holy Week with this kind of strictness, with this kind of vigor, you will live the final life of our Lord on earth. You will feel like you're journeying with him. You will feel like you are being betrayed with him, being crucified with him, resting in the tomb with him. And only then, as we undergo this most serious penance, can we truly experience the same joy of the resurrection, of seeing the sunrise in Easter morning and knowing that he who truly did die is really resurrected. His body and his soul have been reunited. He's not like the others, um, like the average person who makes it to heaven, who is there only in soul. He's there truly body and soul, and so is our Blessed ver uh, blessed Mother, um, who's assumed in heaven, and we may believe so the same for St. Joseph as well, um, and a whole other topic for another day, but that may be piously believed. It is not required. We may even believe so for the Apostle St. John, um, and that is something we can talk about another time on another episode. But this is the week that changed the world. This is the week that our Lord goes to die. And in order to celebrate the great glory and joy of Easter, to see that joy, to live it out, I really highly encourage all of you to try to follow these devotions as much as possible. As well as our Catholic ancestors in the past who did so much this week, they ate very little. One of the common foods they did eat during this time of the strictest fast was actually pretzels, dry food. Um, we should do likewise, whatever we can, to learn more about what we have lost in the liturgy and to put it in practice as well through stricter fasting and through these traditional customs. May God bless you. May God grant you all a most blessed Holy Week as we prepare for the final end to celebrate our Lord's resurrection. Ad maiorum Dei Gloriam. We do